and welcome to episode seven of Beyond the Devastation. Today, we have part two of our conversation from last week. If you missed it, go back and hit replay. It's on demand with um, our guest today, Mary Kay Holmes. He talked about beyond the life of sex trafficking, how you can get into it, but then how do you get out of it? Today, we're going to ask more questions. We're going to talk to Mary about the part two. Um, she, where we left off last, last time you talked to us or you heard from us was that she had just gone back to school. She was trying to get every, the, the ship righted, get ready to go in and finish her education and devastation has a propensity to hit again. So without further ado, we're going to have Mary kind of talk us through it. Also, we're going to ask Mary, you know, one of the questions we want to ask, did she get, and how did she get the help that she needed? to get through some of these very difficult and emotional and traumatic times in her life. So let's bring her back on. And there she is. As you can see, it's Dr. Mary Kay Holmes. And uh, she, if you, again, if you missed it last week, I had the honor of marrying her and her husband, Terry. Um, is it two years in May already? Feels like three. I don't know, but it feels like a long time. But um, in that time, yeah, in that time, she's been able to get, Juris Doctorate. She's a well-known author. Number, as you can see, that little poster behind her. Number one international best-selling author. She's a speaker. She's a trainer. She's a mentor. Um, she's an executive pastor. She's a wife. She's a mom. All of those things, but her story really resonates with a lot of us. How we get beyond the devastation. So, Mary, I, let's pick up where we left off. You were just going back to school. And so you finally got school. that freedom that you were looking for. And then take us from there. Yeah. So I was, I had the freedom physically, but I was still mentally bound. Um, I still hadn't healed yet. I was still very much uh, emotionally damaged because I had to unpack all of those issues, all of the things that I had gone through and I hadn't fully dealt with them. So I, by diving into focusing on my education, it was a mental escape for a moment. But as soon as something would trigger me or I would run into an issue, a relationship issue, or I would start to get out there and start dating, I started realizing that I still had a lot of unresolved trauma that was preventing me from uh, connecting with people properly. And I also had a lot of damaged relationships because, um, as I mentioned in the last episode, the person who trafficked me severed a lot of those relationships and turned me against my family and friends turn them against me, which is one of the uh, hallmarks of an abuser or a trafficker. They will isolate you from anyone that you know and love that could support you. And so I had to go back and rebuild some of those relationships. So I'm working on my education. I'm going to school full time, but I'm also working at the same time, working full time as well, working a third shift and trying to, um, you know, figure things out, trying to figure, trying to figure out how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to live life on my own? Because I have been with this man since I was a teenager. So I had yet to experience life as a full adult in, a, in the normal sense. Um, so I wasn't used to making my own choices. I wasn't used to deciding what I wanted to eat, how I wanted to dress and how I wanted to look and what my personality was even like. I, I didn't know who I wanted to be. So I had to figure that out because I had been told what to do for so long that now it was like coming out of prison and you're offered all of these choices and you're like, look, I'm used to someone telling me what to do and when to go to sleep and when to wake up and what to eat and when to eat. And now I'm just bombarded with all of these decisions and 
And because of that, I started to make a lot of bad decisions. Um, and uh, so a lot yeah, of those one, Yeah. Some of the feedback, one of the questions I got was the feedback was what was the age difference between you and the first first captor, I'll call it, because that's really what it was. Right. 21 years. 21 year difference. Yeah. And j just to put this stuff in perspective, right, I, this is what I heard just, well, it was college was a mental escape. He tried to date, but it was hard because you were still had the baggage from before, right? And there was so much control that they had over you that you, he dictated all the terms to you, it sounds like. Yeah, he told me exactly what to do. He told me how to dress, who I could talk to, who I couldn't talk to. Everything, every decision that I made was pretty much his, his choices behind. It was like being a puppet. Like everything that I did, it was him. The way I spoke, it was him. The way the language that I used and and the mentality that I had, it all was because he had groomed me over these years. And he even he would even have the audacity years later even to say things like, "I raised you." <laughs> Just the sense of never owning up to having done anything wrong. You know, he looked at it as a positive thing that he had such an influence on me. But no, it was control. It was it was um, undue pressure. It wasn't influence it was it was manipulation and so a lot of the things that i wanted in life i i didn't know what i wanted anymore because before him i had dreams of being a journalist i had dreams of being a a writer you know i was the type of person that just stayed in the books and so uh authors like mary higgins clark and john grisham they were my favorite authors so i dreamed about writing like legal you know, legal drama like John Grisham and uh, Mary Higgins Clark with the with the dramatic stories that she would come up with. They were, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And then all of a sudden I wasn't sure. So I changed my major probably three times, <laughs> but I always kept that writing. I always kept that mentality. I'm a writer. No matter what I do, I'm a writer. And I knew that one day I said, I'm going to write books. I'm going to write stories. I'm going to do everything that I can in media because that was my heart's desire. So even in college, I started to write for the college newspaper and continue in that vein. So I, I just thank God for that, because something in me always remembered, you know, some of who I was before this relationship, before the, and it's hard to call it a relationship, but for lack of a better word, um, this particular uh, person that I was with had robbed me of so much time that now I was playing catch up. So being in school and working and raising two children on my own, and making a lot of horrible choices and pretty much stumbling a lot along the way, I wound up meeting someone who was also manipulative and controlling, but I couldn't see it right away. I didn't know so it right away. How, because old, are, how old are the kids by now? By now, um, I think they had to, it's hard to remember their ages at that time, but I can, I can tell you around the time that this is happening, my oldest son, he's in uh, elementary school and my youngest son is, not even yet in pre he's not in kindergarten yet so he's still in like daycare so he's still going to like a home daycare and um and so i'm juggling between holding down the job and running from work and going to pick him up from child care and, and then getting my other, uh, oldest and going to school and thank god that this time by this time online education had become possible it wasn't yet popular and we didn't i didn't know at the time whether it would even be widely accepted or if it would be respected but i said this is all i can do i have to i have to take advantage of these online courses and so i was able to go to school online and work full time and managing 
uh, the household and raising my two kids by myself. So now you're separated, right? You're living on your own. You've got two, two children. You're free of the first situation. Right. Free of the first situation. But mentally, where are you? I guess that's a question. Where are you kind of mentally in all this? Because you're, you're, you've been keeping yourself busy. You're compartmentalizing everything. But how are you playing right. with it emotionally? The problem was I wasn't fully dealing with it emotionally because I part of my coping mechanism was to stay busy. As you can probably imagine after hearing all the stuff that I was you know, trying to juggle on my own. But when I left him because of the abuse, because of what happened in the incident that happened in the house um, and it, because it was a domestic incident, I was court mandated to attend counseling. And so it wasn't by choice at first, but I started to uh, see a licensed therapist and that therapist started to help me to deal with things mentally. But I was kind of it was I was fighting against it a little bit because, number one, it was court mandated. So because of that, I felt as if I didn't need it. I, this was like, OK, I have to do it. It's a waste of my time. And But slowly but surely, this woman who I had to drive out probably about 45 minutes out of the way to go visit her and, and go to her office during those sessions, um, on the, I, I would get so much information and so much insight from her just from talking out what I had gone through and talking about what I was currently dealing with. That 45 minute ride home afterwards gave me some time to think about it and start to digest it. And eventually I started to realize that, wow, therapy is really helping me out. Like this is really getting me to a place where I can start to understand that what I just came out of, even though back then I didn't recognize it as human trafficking, but I knew it was an abusive relationship. So I, at the time I'm thinking, okay, I'm realizing um, it's not my fault that I didn't deserve this. And I'm starting to grow in that area, but I'm still showing, and this, this is the difficult thing about coming out of trauma like that and seven years of being manipulated. I had a difficult time adjusting from the way I started to think. The, the ways that he wanted me to think, so to speak. So the behaviors that I got from him, it, I had a hard time reversing that. So while mentally I'm starting to realize like, okay, I can speak up for myself. I can, um, I'm, I, I have value and I have worth. And it, it, so mentally the, the therapist is helping me in all of these other areas. And I'm starting to realize my worth, but at the same time, I'm, exhibit, I'm showing all of these behavior patterns that are, indicative of the type of abuse that I came out of and the type of manipulation that I just came out of. So I started to just make a lot of wrong choices. And unfortunately, because of that, I had this hustler mentality. That's the best way I can put it. I had a hustler mentality. And so I had a, a, a attitude of always trying to get over on the system or always trying to chase money or always trying to get out of poverty by some type of illicit behavior or legal activity. activity. And so I started to run into people or encounter people and start to develop relationships with people who had that same type of mindset. And that kind of threw me back out. Of like, feather, the therapist right? was helping me. I was being knocked 10 steps back by the people I was surrounding myself with. Right. So birds of a feather, right? We, we kind of attract who we're around, but how, just so everybody can capture this, how did we get to the court mandated stuff? How did that happen? Well, when I left, um, I'm not sure if we went over this last um, session when we were talking in the last episode, um, but when I left him, it was the catalyst was when I was 
in the hospital. I had I was bringing my um my youngest no, son. No, you didn't. This, this stuff we didn't hit. So this is where we kind of left off. So please oh. fill us in on that part. Okay. All right. So now this is this is where people say, look, you need to have this needs to be a movie. <laughs> but it, it was so much drama. But um, I gave birth to my youngest son. He was born prematurely at 27 weeks. And because he was born prematurely, um, he was in the hospital for a, a, a few months uh, because there were all, so many different other health issues that started to happen as a result of his uh, premature birth. So to make a long story short, being in the hospital with him, staying there overnight, gave me an escape from the house with the person I was with, the person who was held, holding me captive. Um, and on top of that, he had moved another female into the home. And as a as a, he wanted to be like the Hugh Hefner, basically. He wanted to feel his words. He wanted to feel like a king. He wanted to feel like a man. And so by bringing in another female into our home, uh, that was what made him feel more powerful. So because I was under his control and I just really had a difficult time standing up to him, it wound up happening. And she was brought into our home and she leaves her oldest son behind uh, with her parents and she comes and lives with us and winds up getting pregnant. Uh, and now <laughs> we're both pregnant and I give birth to my son prematurely. So she, she had her son and the day that my son was coming home, I'm fast forwarding through a lot of drama in between, as you can imagine. But the day that my son was about to come home from the hospital, uh, he comes in to pick us up and starts to argue with the nurses about the car seat because pro hospital protocol, even though I was had been out of the hospital for months now, they needed me to leave in a wheelchair with my son and they make sure that we knew how to use the car seat. And so that caused is huge disruption where he's cussing out the nurses, he's yelling at me, I mean, calling me every name you can imagine in the book. And because of how he was treating me in front of the nurses, that triggered them and made them call DCF without us knowing. And DCF is Department of uh, Child Children's Services. Uh, child Department of Services, Services is what they ended up calling, yeah, right. because they, they're, 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 they're mandated reporters. Right. So they suspected that something was not right, and they were absolutely right. And they con contacted Child Protective, Protective Services. And uh, when I got, when after we left, though, because we didn't know they called them, but after we left, I, I get downstairs only to realize that the female that he had living with us, she's in the car with her son and her other son that she had left behind. So there's a car full of people. Our son is coming out of this, you know, all of these health issues. And yet this is what I have to bring him home to. So when we get home, he leaves and he leaves all, he leaves us, me, the female, her children and my children in the home by ourselves. And I learned that she um, is, you know, they have this whole thing going and she's pregnant again. So it turns into a big fight. And to make another long story short, I wind up getting, you know, she threw a hot plate of spaghetti at me. It goes all over her son. I pick up the, the fork that she was eating with. I stab her in the back of the head. And out of all of this trauma, that all of this turmoil that's going on, she leaves, calls the police. I get arrested and charged with a felony assault on a pregnant person with a weapon. And so, and he's off doing whatever he was doing while all this happens. She winds up getting charged later on as well um, once they found out that she um, initiated the, the fight. However, 
because of that incident, I was mandated to see a therapist. Um, and of course I had many court dates and I had to go through community service and different things of that nature. And I wound up with this felony assault on my record. Um, but in that was a blessing was that I had to see this licensed therapist. therapist. And this, woman, you know, she started to help me to understand uh, that I needed to get out. And so while I was in the hospital with my son, before all of this happened, I had started to devise a plan to leave. So with her help, I started to even get more courage to start to implement that plan of escape. So I, I started to slowly but surely put a plan in place to get out of that house. And of course, I think last week, last episode, we did talk about how um, when I did try to leave, he, he, um, he beat me in front of our children, and, but I was able to still get out and leave. Um, so now then fast forward and back, uh, that's when I wound up on my own with my two children, but seeking therapy, but at the, seeing a therapist. Um, but at the same time, even though at first I resisted it, I'm starting to benefit from it. And, um, but I'm still having a lot of those old behaviors popping up. So now we're, we're at a, we're at a juncture where you've got all this baggage from this, you got two children. You've got all of the hurts, the pain, the the trauma of all of it. Now, not only that, but you've got the trauma from when you were a child. So you got that that trauma. Then you got the trauma of the 16 to 23 trauma. Now you're trying to get out. And now you've got the court trauma, right? You've got to fend for your kids. So as we now move forward, history had a history repeated itself. Right, because you still had all these hurts that you hadn't dealt with. Now, bring us to the point where you've got captive captor number two is really what I, I don't call it a relationship. It's 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 you you're you're really held in captivity. And then how long did that last? So one of these, um, I don't know what what to call it, but one of these kind of shady, shysty kind of people that I had connected with, um, in trying to chase money and trying to have a side hustle, so to speak, uh, took advantage of the fact that he saw that I was struggling financially and saw that I needed help. And so he took me out and um, to make a long story short with him, he wined and dined me, bought me all of these fancy clothes, designer clothes that I had never thought that I would wear. Um, you know, at this point I'm being treated like a queen and he's driving around in his, his fancy, you know, luxury vehicle and taking me everywhere I wanted to go, eating out spas and all of that stuff. And then one day he says, you owe me. And when that happened, I knew that something, the gig was up and he brought me this, um, what we, what we call burners. Burners were the cell phones that you use for a little while and then you toss them away um, so that you wouldn't, they wouldn't be traceable. And so he got me this burner cell phone and then, you know, he programmed it, gave me some calling cards, and he said, this is what I need you to do. Uh, I'm going to give you some rules. And the rules were that there were certain clubs I could go to and could not go to. Uh, there were certain men that I could meet and could not meet. And I was ultimately going to have to sleep with them for money. And he was going to put me on to this game, which is, you know, the pimp game, which it always appalls me that it's called a game. 
And a lot of the people, a lot of the women who are pimped out, it's not by choice. Yes, there are some sex workers, of course, who choose to go into that lifestyle. And I even think, you know, we use the word choose too loosely because some women, they're backed into corners or they feel as if they don't really have a choice. So even though they're doing it out of their own free will, they're forced into these decisions a lot of times by with situations like mine, where someone's holding a debt over your head or someone's making you feel as if this is the only way out. And so that was what happened to me. He held this debt over my head and said I had to pay him back all this money that he had spent on me. And he gave me all of these rules that I had to follow. Now, he lived in another state, but yet somehow he made me feel afraid that if I did not do what he was telling me to do, that somehow my my life was in danger or there, there was some type of threat that was unspoken. Um, he knew where I lived and all of that stuff. And, you know, he hadn't yet met my children, but he knew where I lived and my children were there. And so to me, it was like, I, I just felt once again, trapped. And the truth is, yeah, if somebody was to ask me now, yeah, I could have tried to move, but moving is not as simple as it seems. You know, you got to come up with first first month's rent, last month's rent and security. I didn't have anything in my bank account. I couldn't just pack up and move. I didn't have places that I could just go. Um, yes, you know, I could have called the police or told somebody what he was doing, but honestly, what was I going to tell them? In my mind, what was what could I say to the cops that I was, I was this goal, and this is what I was thinking as far as myself back then, that I'm this gold digger who took all of this money from this guy and now he's convincing me to pay him back. And what, 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 what could I say to anybody? And I felt ashamed. I felt like it was my fault. I felt like I had let him on. I started to think of all the different things that I could that put, pretty much put the blame on me and I fell for it. And so going out and doing what he was telling me to do, I was off on my own. That's why I mentioned he lived in another state. I'm out here. My life is at risk. I, at any moment, someone could have robbed me. Someone could have killed me. Uh, all the unimaginable things could have happened to me because I'm out there on my own doing this, prostituting. And with no what I thought was protection really wasn't protection. Having him be a phone call away was not protection. And But I wanted to show him that, no, I'm going to pay off this debt. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do because I thought, Eventually it has to stop. You know, I can make this money and I can give him the money. And I got caught up in it thinking this is temporary. But in a situation like that, it'll never be enough. The debt will never be repaid. There will always be something else uh, that you owe. So he kept piling on things. Well, now you owe me for this and now you owe me for that. And so it kept going um, in this ugly cycle. And eventually I started to get in my mind. Well, since this is my life now, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to start to settle in and I'm going to start to at least get something out of it. So in my mind, if, if I made you know a certain amount of money that night and I kept a little bit back and I didn't tell them, then I started to feel like that was empowerment, like that I was being empowered because I wasn't disclosing all of my, my earnings to him. And I had all of this money stacked up on my dresser that I didn't have time to spend because I'm working a full-time job, going to school, dancing at night, prostituting. And I'm too sleepy during the day to spend this money. So I felt empowered because of the material um, possessions, because of that mentality of being this hustler or being a, um, you know, being a go getter, so to speak. I'm thinking this is the life. I'm going to make the most of it. But eventually mm -hmm. I got too caught up in it. And I remember the night that I made the most money, 
I said, I cannot do this anymore. This will not be my life. Something just snapped. <laughs> Something just in me was like, this is, you are about to go down a dark road. This is not going to be your life. And I literally made a decision that night and I never went back. And I, that's when I gave up my apartment and packed up and moved. Cause at that point I had enough money to do it. So let me ask you a question, Mayor. So, so you're, you're, how long were you in that life to the time where you were able to break free? And then what was the pivotal moment where you turned it all around and you're sitting in the chair that you're sitting in now? Yeah. So I would say, you know, that, that time was so dark and it seemed like it went on for longer than it actually did. It probably lasted for about six months, about a half of a year. And when I realized that, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. This, this cannot be my life. Um, you know, meeting the different women in the club and talking to other prostitutes, I knew that it can become a dangerous thing to get caught up in. And then you look up one day and you are, you know, well into your fifties still doing this. And so I said to myself, I'm, I'm out. I got to get away from this man. I got to change my number, get rid of the burner, the, the cell phone, change everything. And I was able to move. Uh, during that time, because I never stopped going to school, even if I was just taking one or two classes a semester, um, I had eventually started to work towards, you know, doing some things with my life. I got my um, paralegal certification. I was able to go and, and find a job at a local hotel. Um, my boss was very instrumental in helping me to get my life on track. He was able to help me. He, he was like the father figure that I never had. This older Irish man named John. And John, though anybody that knows me from then and knew John, it was like we were like two peas in a pod. Like we, he, we, you know, back then he taught me the ropes as far as the hotel industry. He took me under his wing. He promoted me to sales manager, then to marketing director. And then when another Ramada hotel opened up uh, in Mystic, Connecticut, he sent me out there to be acting GM. He was just absolutely like just instrumental in helping me to start to develop skills um, and ha and build a robust resume as a manager. And so going out and doing those things and hanging out with him. And when I say hanging out, he would take me out to dinner on the company's dime because we would go out in these sales meetings and he would train me. And during those times, he would encourage me and say, he sees something in me. He knows what I'm capable of. And we, we had fun, but he was also mentoring me. And so, and he never crossed the line. I mean, you know, he, John was an interesting character. So <laughs> he was, he, when I say he never crossed the line, he never crossed the line in the sense that uh, even though he would make comments about how beautiful I was and things like that, he always pushed me to make sure that I landed on my feet and that I did the right things and that I wound up with the right type of person. Um, so as he encouraged me, I'm like, I'm just developing this like tenacity, this like grit, like, okay, look, I can do this. I can be independent. I can work a nine to five, go to, go to school. I don't have to hustle anymore. And on top of that, I'm starting to feel like this sense of like, I'm empowered. Like I'm feeling like, all right, I'm doing the right thing. I'm not, you know, out here in the streets. I'm not dating the wrong men. Uh, you know, truth be told, I was so busy with everything else. I didn't really have time, have time uh, to date it. too much, but yeah. And so I graduated, got my uh, associate's degree. And then I kept going and I, um, I don't know if you want me to get into this, but some old habits resurfaced and I wound up, you know, going, reverting back a little bit 
And then that kind of propelled me forward because I said, I do not want to go all the way back into that lifestyle. I don't. And when I say reverted back, it wasn't that I went back into prostitution. I just resorted back to that hustler mentality. And to make a long story short, I wound up in prison. And because I wound up in prison, um, I had time enough for my my mind to settle and start to realize what is it that you want to do? What is your purpose? So how long were you and when I started? I was incarcerated for 50 days. I was sentenced to six months and I was able to get out in 50 days. And I'm so grateful for that. That's another story in and of itself. But, you know, to come out in that short amount of time, um, that almost didn't happen, but it, but I but I did get out um, quickly. And so when I got out, I said, I'm never coming back here. I, I, you don't have, I was in my mind, I'm like, you don't ever have to worry about breaking any more laws because you are done. You, this is it. I am not coming back to this place. And because of that, it propelled me into my purpose. And I was able to start to go after some of the things that I planned to do while I was in prison. I, I started to implement those plans. And who was waiting for me when I came home from prison? John. John was right there, gave me a job immediately, set me up in this uh, executive director position at a hotel in Queens. After that, he, he sent me over to another hotel in Manhattan. I'm working on 28th Street at the Hilton Garden Inn in Manhattan. I'm living like my best life, making more money than I've ever made. And because once again, John was that mentor, that father figure that kind of stepped in and made sure that I was okay, um, I was able to get back on track, get right back into school, got my bachelor's degree, and then had the audacity in spite of having spent time in prison and have this rap sheet with all of these records and all of that stuff, I applied to law school and was able to get accepted at not only every law school that I applied to, but I was offered a full ride at one of the schools. And they said, we're giving you this money, regardless of whatever your GPA is for the next three years. We, we just want you to attend our school. So yeah, and absolutely along the way, that help from John, instrumental, but I also continued um, to go to therapy now by choice, not because I was court ordered, but now I was going by choice because I said I need help. And it was it was the best one of the best things I could have ever done. So when we look at it, everybody has a John in their life. If we look at it, not the John in the spec of where she was in her life, but a person that sometimes yes. is instrumental in, in seeing something in you that you don't see. Right. And mm -hmm. this gentleman saw something in Mary that was instrumental in putting her on a track to get out, not having to go back to where she was, but where she was going to her really going to go to. And it gave her the confidence to go to law school, raise her children, have more money than she had earned without doing it, doing it legally without having to do it any other way. Right. And but I want everybody to understand it took a gentleman like John, but it also took counseling because when you hear the traumatic life that she's been gotten out of, it took some, it took her to empty all of that out because as she went on and as I said, I married her. So I know she's gotten married, but it's hard to go into a relationship with all of those things that were behind you and, and you have to find the right person. And fortunately she did. Uh, I'll brag on him. He's a nice yes. guy. Uh, but anyway, he's, but he's a nice guy. Yeah. The, you know, these are the things that happen. And again, so for everyone that wants more information, I would go to Mary Kay 
You can email her at info at marykhomes.com. You can catch her on her own Facebook page, her podcast. In the name of your podcast, Mary, so everybody, everybody can find it. Uh, the Mary podcast. K. Holmes podcast. podcast. Yeah. So you got her on a podcast. You got her on social media. You got her everywhere. That, and she is, um, she just came back from Africa a couple weeks ago. Uh, she started a project for her, I believe it was your mom, right? You named this, this community or this sewing uh, community for your mom, right? Right. A sewing, a sewing academy. Yeah, my mom was a seamstress, and so I started it in her name. And my mother-in-law is a seamstress, so it's a combination of both their names. And uh, yeah, phenomenal work. And so in, in a couple of days, we'll be in Peru for another missions um, trip as well. So she's not standing still, and she didn't let the, the, the captors define who she was. She defined who she was. And, and it took a lot of, look, it, this took a lot of work. This what you see now and what she was took a lot of time, but we thank God for the transformation. Um, and we thank God for who she is. And I really think I really, I'm really honored that she was on here and could give me some time during her lunch break to come and tell this story. Look, this story is not over. She's continuing to write it every single day. And if you want to hear more from her, look, she's, she's got a lot of outlets you can find her in today. I was able to, you know, get her for a few minutes. So I'm really grateful. And I'm excited to hear because I get to watch her and hear hear through all the venues that she's on about the great things that she's doing. So thank you again, Miss. I'm going to say this right, Doctor Mary K. Holmes. Thank you so much for being a part of our our, our podcast today. Really enjoyed the time, and probably won't be the last time you hear from her. But again, I really info at, at Mary K. The Mary K. Holmes.com if you want to get her to be a speaker. MaryKHolmes.com if you want to just find out about her and about us and how you can get Mary um, to come and speak at your events about what she's been through. You will pack the house um, because the story is that phenomenal. So again, thanks a lot. I'm going to let you go back to do what you do best. And she is an attorney, folks. She's got a, she's got a job to do and I want to get her back. So thank you so much. I'm going to play the I'm going to play some music on the way out. Thanks again. MaryKHolmes.com. Check her out. You don't want to miss an opportunity to have her come and talk for you. Thank you.